So to kick off uh, this morning, we're going to have an Advent reading. We're going to be doing this every week during Advent. And my name is Austin Borders. Hi, nice to meet you all. So our reading, uh, if you would like to follow along, is Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Me and Ethan are going to tag team this. Uh, if you'd like to, you don't have to, but if you want to stand during the reading and, and follow along, you're totally welcome to. Otherwise, chill and just absorb it. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, sit. Just chill. Okay. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tr tramping warrior in battle tumult and every gamut rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is, for to uh, us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, on the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Awesome. Woo. Thanks. <laughs> every week we will be doing an Advent reading, uh, and every week we will also be doing a, uh, a devotional throughout the week to kind of focus our attention on what God has for us. I love engaging uh, with that text this morning uh, is the start of, of Advent, and I'm going to take a few minutes as we get rolling uh, to talk kind of what Advent is, why we're doing it, uh, and really Advent is all about celebrating Jesus. The Old Testament looked expectantly to the advent of God's forever king, the anointed one who would bring peace to his people, and these promises have been fulfilled. He has come to the earth as the Old Testament prophets foretold and he is coming again and we eagerly await the second coming of our King Jesus. And the New Testament looks back to the moment and forward to when he comes again to forever defeat sin, death, Satan, and bring about the resurrection for all those who follow him. This is the theme of Advent, which is Latin for the word coming or arrival. It's the celebration of the first advent of Jesus in humility and anxiously awaiting of his second coming 
the advent and glory. Jesus has come and he will come again. This is one of the things about Anthem that's kind of, uh, not Anthem, about Advent that's kind of interesting uh, is there is a piece to Advent where um, it's, it's not that we pretend like Jesus hasn't come, but there is a piece to it where, where we want to release our imagination into Advent and to think, what would it have been like to actually be waiting for Jesus' first arrival? There is part of this historical practice called Advent where there is a piece where we, you let your imagination think about what it would have been like to wait for the, the first arrival of Jesus on the scene. But we don't walk too far down that path because we live in a time and era where Jesus has come. And there is a future anticipation, a future hope of Jesus coming again. We spent a ton of time in 1 Corinthians talking about when Jesus will come back and the resurrection of life will take place. We also simultaneously during this Christmas season, we we imagine what it might have been like as people were awaiting the king and we also We anticipate, we long for the coming of Jesus once again. As we go through our Advent season, we're gonna see that it really comes down to three big chunks or ideas that we're gonna walk through each week. The first chunk is to remember. We remember what God has done. We've got four themes that we're gonna run through and this week we're doing joy And we're going to walk through and we're going to remember the joy of the Lord. We're going to remember where joy came from. Psalm 77, 11 through 12 uh, kind of helps give us this framework and the importance of needing to remember. It says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Jesus in John 15 even reminds us, this is the same thing that the Holy Spirit does too. The Holy Spirit reminds us of all of the things that Jesus has taught us. But we as a people, we need regular remembering. This is why the main practice in, from, or the most important practice for any Jewish person would be uh, the declaring of the Shema out of Deuteronomy 6. They were called to recite this every single day. I believe that the Lord our God is one. This would be something that came to over and over and over again just because we're people who forget. I mean, if I asked you how many people remember what I taught on last week, many of you would be like, um, and you'd be wrong because Josh taught last week, not me. (laughs) We're not a people who remember well. And that's one of the beautiful reasons why we have the word of God too that we can come back to over and over and over again. So one of the first things that we're gonna do is we are going to remember each of these words or phrases, emotions that we're gonna walk through with Advent, we are going to remember. The second thing we're gonna do with all of them is we are also going to anticipate, we're going to look forward. We're gonna look towards Jesus' second return and what will happen when that takes place. 2 Peter 3.13 says, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Last week, Josh reminded us to dream about what that's gonna be like, what those new heavens and new earth is going to look like. And that's important as it creates anticipation, excuse me, and longing for what's to come. 
And the third thing that we're going to do each week is we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate how this reality, how these words, how these um, topics, how they actually affect and change our present. So we're going to look back. We're going to remember. We are going to anticipate. We're going to look forward. And then we're going to celebrate. Uh, This is a helpful format for you to have too, just as you engage through your life. I'd really encourage you, think about putting something like this down somewhere where you will look at regularly. It's really helpful. In your life, is there a balance of remembering, anticipating, and celebrating? It's helpful. A lot of times we can get really lopsided. We can either live all in the past and like, oh, the glory days, and we can just all look backwards, and it's like, that's neat and all. But sometimes that's not very steeped in reality. We can also do the opposite. We can look to the future and all we can just clearly just keep talking about the future and we lose a foot in reality and we become irrelevant and unable to engage with this world around us. And we can also stick right where we are and we can become really cynical and let our circumstances dominate us. So all three by themselves can become unhealthy. We need a nice balance in there of reaching back to remember, reaching forward to uh, to anticipate and long for, and while at the same time, right where my feet are planted today, I get to celebrate in light of what's happened, what's coming, and who Jesus is. It's a helpful, helpful posture. Before we go any further, let's pray, and then we'll dive into joy for this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you have in store for us. God, we are just so thankful that we have the opportunity every year actually to, to stop. To have these four weeks where we anticipate, where we remember, and where we celebrate. And Lord, as we look at joy this morning, we ask first that, that you would soften our hearts this morning to receive what you have for us. We want to present ourselves to you, which is our spiritual act of worship, and we say, God, would you teach us this morning through your word and through your servants? And Lord, if you, if you prayed for us to have your joy, we just, we just want to say amen to that. We know that you prayed that, John 17, that your joy would be in us. Lord, we just, we just say thank you. <laughs> and would you increase that in us too? And even right, right now, I get the impression too that there's maybe some here who joy is something that's fleeting or far away from you at the moment. And um, there's just a sweet invitation from the Lord to receive from him today. So Lord, would we do that? We love you so much. We thank you for this time and opportunity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes you need to have your eyes open when you're praying. I about took off my finger. That was loud. So this morning we're, in, we're, we're doing joy. This is these next four series, these next four weeks, we are going to be working through these topics and we're on joy today. And so I want to start um, by asking you, to, to You can close your eyes if you want or not. It doesn't matter to me. But in your mind's eye, what pictures come to mind? I don't want to hear descriptions of, of joy. But in your mind's eye, I want to ask you, what comes to mind when you think about joy? Like what pictures pop in your brain as you think about joy? I'd love to share those a little bit. What picture comes to mind when you think about joy? 
Family hug. I like that. What else? Laughter. Laughter. <laughs> Christmas decorations. Apropos. Sharing a meal. Sharing a meal. Unburdened. Unburdened. Neat. What picture comes to mind? Newborn, cool. Anything else? Huh? Sharing Jesus, nice. Any, any colors come to mind just out of curiosity? We had a color in the last gathering. I'm just curious. There was a color. When you think of joy, any color stand out to you? It's funny. That was what was said last gathering. Joy, joy and yellow for a handful of people. Interesting. Love that. Anything else come, any, any other picture, images come to mind when you think of joy? Okay. That's good. Kids play? Nobody said work. No? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Josh, we need you back for another message. That's good. I, I, I want to kind of circle around these because um, I don't know about you guys. Can, can joy just seem like this really ambiguous blob sometime that's out there? Of like, it's just like a nebulous thing every now and again. And like, what is joy? And so now with words, maybe when you hear the word joy, what's a word or a synonym that comes to mind when you think about joy? Contentment. Ethan. Happiness. Peace. Freedom. Excitement. Nice. Present. Anything else? Those are great. I think it's helpful because... Because when we talk about joy, joy actually is it's a pretty wide idea and emotion. And sometimes it's important to both become familiar with and begin to differentiate what isn't joy. So I, the, the, maybe the next one I'll hear, what, when you hear joy, what's the opposite of joy? Sorrow? Despair? Fear, pain, mm. it's good. Anything else? Anxiety. Depression. Loneliness. What'd you say? Happiness is the opposite of joy. Interesting. Sometimes it can be. It's good. Again, I, I just at the beginning, I, I want us to, to start to see, get a kind of a, a grasp of what we're talking about when it comes to joy. And there, you guys shared some great synonyms, some great opposites. Uh, you know, when I think of synonyms, I think delight, I think gladness, exhilaration, happiness. It is important to note that happiness and joy are not synonymous. But it also is really important to note that 
Do you think God created you to be unhappy? No. <laughs> Perhaps, but God's design for you has never been, you know what I want to do? I want to create a bunch of people who are unhappy. But happiness and joy are not the same thing. And happiness right now has probably become the greatest virtue in the West. The pursuit of happiness. This is, I think, has even superseded the idea of tolerance right now. This dream and this pursuit of happiness, I think is probably one of the biggest dangers that the church is facing. For a couple of reasons. One, because it sounds good. What makes you happy? Do that. Good friends will ask a lot more questions than just what makes you happy. Because people are ending marriages because they're unhappy. People are getting in debt up to their eyeballs pursuing happiness. People are leaving countries. People are leaving states. People are going all doing, going through lots of stretches. Doing lots of different things in the pursuit of happiness. When happiness isn't necessarily what's promised to us. And yet joy is. This is what Rick Warren says about joy. He says, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I'll read it one more time. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. As I was thinking about it, I just, there was a phrase that came to mind. It's probably not all encompassing or all that great, but maybe it's helpful for you. When I was thinking about joy, the, the words that came up was uh, contentment with a grin or contentment sometimes with a laugh. Or contentment sometimes with a like belly laughter. Then even sometimes contentment with tears. So what we're going to do this morning as we, as we talk about joy is we are going to start by remembering joy. And when I say remembering joy, we're, we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to remember that joy has an originator. And joy is rooted in God himself. Creation comes out of a joyful, glad heart who delights in his creation. Genesis 1.31, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Last week, Josh talked about how there was shalom in the garden. You guys remember the word that he attached to shalom? Anybody? It was flourishing flourishing this idea shalom shalom you're close i love the risk shalom is this idea that there, there's flourishing this overflowing this bubblingness and it's helpful for us to see that with behold it was very good there is this joy that is flourishing or permeating throughout the garden which is really centered on relationship between god and humanity and even creation as well the rest of creation 
If we want to start by remembering joy, it's important that we've got to remember where it comes from and who is the source, and it's God himself. One of his first attributes that is visible is this, almost, this overflowing, bubbling, delighting, joyful God who creates. And yet many of us, when we first think of God, we think of vengeance, somebody to be afraid of, somebody who is angry. It's so important that as we talk about joy, we, we come back to a right theology that begins from the very beginning with understanding that we have a God who is marked by joy. He's creative, and his joy fills everything that he's made. He's implanted his joy into creation. I want to look at Psalm 65. We're going to read the whole thing together. It's, I think it's really beautiful, and it's really neat to me to see how, how God has made this world in such a way that it is to reflect who he is and to share his attributes and his qualities. Psalm 65, it says, Praise, to, praise is due to you, O God in Zion. And to you shall vows be performed, O you who hear prayer. To you shall all flesh come when iniquities prevail me. You atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation. The hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. And the one by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might. Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. So that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. Look at this. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. Your water, it furrows, abund it furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadow clothes, them, clothes themselves with flocks. The valley decks they themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. The earth is created. Its DNA is worship is to worship, to be filled with joy. This says that the sunrise and the sunset are shouts of joy. That nature itself is filled with joy. This is important because this goes to how God has created this world and his heart for this world to be a joyful one, one where we get to enjoy him and all that is within God created the world and the rhythms of this world. 
even the sunrise and the sunset to shout for joy. This isn't a substitute to finding our joy in the Lord, but part of enjoying the world that God has given us is enjoying his creation. What he's communicating to us is that even his creation transmits his joy. It's a conduit to experience the joy of the Lord. You guys have had this happen, right? What's one of your favorite sites in all of, like when you say like, what's one of your favorite sites you've ever seen, what comes to mind? Yosemite, what else? Grand Canyon. Iceland, is that what you said? What else, anything else come to mind? What? Masa Mar? Oh, nice. <laughs> and as you're looking at these things, what generally is coming over you? Pride, arrogance, I guess the creation of the selfie has really helped that. Hold on, let me get this great view with me in it. What's gonna make this picture better? Me. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's a lot of sick truth to that. Generally, as we're out looking over the Grand Canyon or when, when, when we see this amazing view or when you're driving through Mojave and all of a sudden you look up, you should be watching the road as you're driving, but you're like, there's so many stars and there's nobody on the road. And there's something in you that's just like, whoa. Or when you're sitting next to the beach, I was, I was over at, off of Magoo Rock this week and I was just watching while there was kind of the storm that was coming in and the waves that were just moving back and forth and there was this, like there was this, this awe, this peace, this, this is huge. And the seas and the mountains and the stars, Psalm 19 tells us they declare the glory of God. They don't just declare the glory of God, they are a means which you get to experience the joy of the Lord. That's a beautiful thing. And so many of us, we take that for granted. Or, we start worshiping the creation rather than the source. You guys all have a friend who's like, oh man, I went to my church today. It's the ocean. It's pretty stellar. Sorry, I'm not a good surfer, bro. But this has a temptation to happen too. We can actually worship the created rather than worshiping the creator. And what I'm trying to do as we look at joy is we have a source. The source of joy is Yahweh. It is God. And through his creation, through his design, he has created the earth in a way to shout for joy, to even be a place to experience the joy of the Lord. But there's a massive problem with joy, and that massive problem with joy is sin. Sin entered the world. There too came sin and death and a broken relationship with God. That's what makes moments like this morning or Christmas or Advent so powerful because we get to come together and we get to declare together joy to the world the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Luke 2.10 says this, fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Who is the good news? Sunday school answer? Jesus. And what does he bring? Great joy, great joy. God cares about us, experience joy so much 
that not only did he create us back in the beginning with a garden, not only did he give us creation and, and nature to sing and proclaim the glories and the wonders, not only did he give us a pillar of uh, smoke and the cloud, or the pillar of fire and the cloud of smoke, and not only did he do all of these things, he continued to pursue us more and more and more and more, and, and so much so that joy in the person of Jesus enters the world. He will bring good, great joy. Who is that great joy for? All men, all people. How is it that Jesus gets to bring great joy? Because ultimately, that amazing sunset can't heal my relationship with Jesus. That, that amazing sunrise can't heal the sin that exists in my heart. That beautiful mountain snow-capped thing out in the distance where it snowed somewhere nearby, kind of, can't make me right with Yahweh. There needed to be one who would come. Like John the baptizer called out, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so joy entered, and he didn't enter as an idea or a wishy-washy feeling as a person, and he came, and he lived a perfect, sinful, sinless, heresy be gone, sinless life, and went to the cross. And there on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin for us in order that we might become the righteousness of God. As Jesus went to the cross on our behalf, his blood was shed and poured out in order for you and I to be truly forgiven. That now permanent joy might come because now the chief place of where joy really dwelled was relationship between man and God. That's where joy flourishes when there is a relationship that's restored between man and God and without Jesus, that's impossible. Through Jesus, the problem that plagues all humanity, the problem of death and our broken relationship with God may now be remedied. This is where biblical joy is rooted. That no matter what may come, God has been faithful over and over again and chiefly in the person of Jesus that I can trust him despite my circumstance. I can look back and I can remember, oh God, you've been faithful and there's been joy throughout the ages. And I can look forward and I can see, oh my goodness, there will be even greater joy to come. That no matter what my current circumstance might be, whether it's horrific or whether it's wonderful, I can choose joy here and now because of Jesus. So we have this, this pattern. So, so, so joy, it comes from God. It's originated from God. It's disseminated into creation, and creation declares the glory and the beauty and the wonder and the joy of God. It becomes chiefly expressed through Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. Now any who believe in him through faith, they now have a joy of the Lord. But you know what? God loves us so much, he doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just say, hey, let's just look back 2,000 years ago. He goes even beyond that. So if joy is evident in 
God at creation through Jesus. Anybody want to take a guess where joy becomes evident? Primarily next. Holy Spirit. Good. This is the Trinity. Because God is, this is, the, this is the, the, the beauty about theology. This is true about who God is. So if God is a God of joy, look, we've got this, we can follow this path. The joy has come from creation. It's chiefly been embodied visible, visibly through Jesus. And then through the indwelling of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as you look at this, is almost a synonym. Joy and the Holy Spirit are seen multiple times together. 1 Thessalonians 1.6, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Acts 13.52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Romans 14.17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2, excuse me, Galatians 5. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is from the Spirit. I love this. God's love for you and God's desire for you to engage with the joy of the Lord is so consistent and it is so persistent that he not only does it through creation that we can reveal through and then chiefly through Jesus and now it's being disseminated through the Holy Spirit through anybody who believes the Spirit now dwells in us. Joy now permanently becomes available to all followers of Jesus through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty good news, isn't it? And isn't it great that God is consistent? Man, I love that. I think it's important here to remember, because we can go on two sides of the spectrum. Joy can be purely an emotion, and maybe it's unhealthy if it's just an emotion. And joy can be a choice. But if joy is just a choice and not also an emotion, we're gonna be missing out on what joy is. Again, this is where we have to grab these two together and say joy is, it's kind of like love, right? It's a choice and it's an emotion. If joy is never affecting the core of your being, we are not tapping into what God has available to us. But if you're constantly making decisions by what makes you happy, you are going to be tired, depressed, frustrated, and angry. Because circumstances become the source of your happiness, not Jesus. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Here Paul reminds us how joy comes and it's through believing. It's through faith. Joy is from God and it is a gift. And it increases as our faith continues to increase as well. We might touch on this later, maybe, maybe we won't, but Psalm 1611, you can write this down. If, if you are wanting to grow 
in understanding and experiencing the joy of the Lord, Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life, chiefly through his word, through the spirit and prayer. In your presence there is fullness of joy, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you want to increase in experiencing the joy of the Lord, the invitation from him today is spend time with him. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And there, I love that, in your right hand, the pleasures are forevermore. That means eternal. Not, not like, a, not like a, a state where everything becomes static, but ever increasing. This takes us to the next spot, which is good, which is anticipate joy. What does it look like for us to anticipate Jesus' return so that joy might be more realized? Because the idea with joy, and this is where I have a problem with most of our beliefs or our views of heaven or what's coming next, is most of the time when we think about eternal, for some reason, our default is also to think static. Our, our, our default is to think just perfect. Well, if everything's perfect, then everything's the same. That's, that's a, it's not that there won't be perfection, but sameness is not what's coming. Even this idea of joy, think about it like a bullet point with a line with the arrow at the end. This is, this is a forever growing point. This is like joy does, is not going to regress. Joy is going to ever increase. And once the resurrection happens, it's not like, boom, static, now we just have all joy. That's not the promise of scripture. There's actually this promise of this expanding. I don't know exactly what this is going to look like, but this anticipation for Jesus to return is that it's not that once Jesus returned, boom, there's joy permanent. It's always, it's totally just now just flat and static. It's like, no, it's continuing and it's growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. I don't know about you, but that excites me about the new heavens and the new earth. That Jesus isn't going to return and then just boom, it's gonna be static, everything's just the same. We really need to get rid of that thought process. That is not a biblical picture of what the new heavens and the new earth look like. It's not Jesus returns, we all have bodies, we're all exactly the same, boom, we're done. No, it's a picture of a, a city. It's a picture of the renewed garden. Why do I say that? Because there was joy that existed in the garden and it was increasing. And it will continue to increase. So when it comes to anticipate, we get the opportunity to anticipate Jesus' return. Isaiah 51, 11, the future hope and expecta- expectation of the Messiah was coming. And, and they say this, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall, shall flee away. I love this verse, that, that sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is a really good picture of what's to come when Jesus fully comes back. Right now there's sorrow and sighing. Right now there's sorrow and sighing. Some of you are probably going through moments now or recently where it's more than sorrow and sighing. Maybe it's weeping and pounding your fist against the ground where life is hard or frustrating or death has come knocking at the door and you don't know what to do and you don't know what to respond. 
And this anticipation of the future is so important because we have to know that everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. It's what's to come. Or Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And so this anticipation of the future, this anticipation of Jesus coming back, this anticipation for there to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, that is a beautiful thing. There's parts of our hearts and our souls and, and eyes that need to be focused towards that. But we also need to understand where our feet are today. Sometimes there's people who are so anticipatory of, of what's to come that they lose out on, on doing what Paul has commanded in, throughout scripture to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. We live in an already but not yet state where we stand in tension, where I need to look forward and I need to celebrate and I need to have faith that no matter what happens, it's going to be okay. Not because of the good things that I have done but because of who Jesus is and what he accomplished on my behalf. So I can have joy, I can have peace. And, that, and I can also be filled with sorrow as my friend just got diagnosed with cancer. I can also be real and I can weep and I can, I can mourn, but like Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 4, we don't weep and mourn as those without hope. Because we have a hope and a promise that Jesus will come back and there will be one day where there will be no more mourning, no more tears, no more pain. For the former things have passed away. So we've got to remember, we've got to anticipate the future of what's going to happen in this, this ever-expanding joy that is, that is for us in the future. And we're also called to celebrate here and now, right in the middle. For the joy of God's people is not steeped in their current circumstance, but in their future destiny. This is why Paul commands us in Philippians 4 to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is where we start stepping into ground that makes people uncomfortable. Because how many of you guys showed up this morning ready to rejoice? Just, 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 just right here, you were ready to, to step in. Or when you guys think about rejoicing, what is re this is actually helpful because we need to practice this in just a minute. What does rejoicing look like? What does it look like? Surrender? What, are, what else does it look like? What? To celebrate, good. What else? Gratefulness? If, if your kid was rejoicing over something, what are they doing? They're excited. What else might they be doing? Jumping. What else might they be doing? Clapping. What else might they be doing? <clears throat> Screaming. Shouting. Interesting. Wow. It's one of the main commands about rejoicing is shout. Shout it out. But we don't always feel that way, right? This is why, and I love the psalmist, right? This is what's so beautiful. David cries out, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. This is why it's so important that we follow this metric. We've got to remember. If we don't remember what it was like when that salvation first came, what joy are we talking about? 
We've got to remember, we've got to anticipate so that we can celebrate. Remembering, anticipating makes it possible for me to celebrate no matter what my current circumstance is. But if we lose sight of who and what God has done, and if we lose sight or lose faith of of what God will do, now what determines whether or not I rejoice or not is exactly my current circumstance. And I hope I'm not the only one here, but there is a lot of times when my current circumstance in the morning, if my kids have not slept very well, um, I would like to do something else other than change somebody or... If I'm to be honest, I mean, Keely's the one who really, they, they go to her side. I sleep like a log, so. I, anyway, sometimes we may to need to make the choice to rejoice. Sometimes you're not gonna feel like it. But there are times when we need to take charge of our soul and say rejoice. And this is one of the reasons we need to gather together. Because we need to come together and we need to sing. You guys see, the chairs are curved more. They're curved more on purpose. This isn't a performance. Maybe you didn't realize they're curved more. We, we'd love them to even be more so. And some of you guys are like, no! I don't want to look at anybody else. I just want to watch somebody. That's not, if that's what you're looking for, that's not going to happen here. This is not a performance. This is an opportunity for us to rejoice together. There's opportunities and there's moments where where Tucker, he needs Travis to sing over him because it's been a crappy week and he needs somebody to declare the glory, the beauty, the wonder, the joy of God over him. And so when we come together, this is why scripture calls us to shout for joy. This is why scripture calls us to sing for joy. This is why we're called to come and sing together because we need to sing these truths over one another because there's doggone it days and weeks where man, my faith just is down in the dumps And just as God disseminated joy through himself at the beginning, then through creation, then chiefly in Jesus, then through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now lives in who? Us. And so now how is joy also disseminated? Us. Us. Will you share that? Will you share that joy? What I need to say, and worship team come up, that please hear me really loud and clear, that doesn't mean fake it till you make it. Please, some of you are going through hardship in life. I'm not telling you to plaster a smile on your face. I'm inviting you to look back, to remember who Jesus is, look forward to who he promises he will be, and look at right where you're at and say, Even so, I will bless the name of the Lord. What I love about joy versus happiness is that joy leaves room for the full range of emotion. Happiness only leaves room for the elated. So this morning we're gonna respond. We're gonna respond, we're gonna start by corporately, we're gonna sing together. We're gonna sing. And, and I invite you, Psalm 20 verse five says, shout for joy over your salvation. 
If there's nothing else that we can find joy in right now, Lord willing, if you are a follower of Jesus, you can still shout for joy because he has forgiven you. That song that we sung, how, Oh, How Marvelous, How Wonderful, that's so amazing. I, I was a sinner, and yet he still poured out his love on me, and I just, I was over there like weeping because of the truth of the amazing love that he has. So we are going to sing, we're going to shout for joy over one another because we have been forgiven. And then the other thing that we're gonna do is we're going to take communion. Communion is the place weekly where we remember, where we look forward, and where we celebrate. Communion is not a trite thing. You can take it during our response time. You can take it after the second song. You can take it whenever you would like. But I invite you to take it with people this morning, remembering who he was. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, take this up. Remember that this is his body which was given for you and I and his blood which was shed. Take it in remembrance of him. And then we do this and we continue to do this until the Lord returns. There's a looking back, a looking forward, and an understanding right where we're at. So take communion this morning, remembering that. All right, I think that's it. Huh? Oh yeah, we got prayer. Prayer is available for you this morning. You might be in hardship, you might be elated. Wherever you're at on the scope, we invite you to receive prayer. It's available on the sides. Some folks with lanyards will be ready and willing to pray with you. Uh, there's also offering in the back. But would you stand now as we get ready to sing in response? We're going to start uh, by, by singing what many people call a carol, but is actually one of the most beautiful theologically written songs for I don't know how long, a long time. But we're going to sing Joy to the World. And so as we do, I just, we, we invite you. And I'm just, Lord, we, we ask that you would be stirring us up. Would you release us to sing for joy? That we wouldn't fake it, but that you would release us to sing for joy because of who you are, what you've done, because of what you're going to do, and because of how you've even met us right here and right now. Continue to move during this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.